Thank you, Cheryl Ann, for leading us in worship today. We complete this Epiphany season and move into the Lenten season on Wednesday. We started this Epiphany season with hearing God's voice, and we end the season again hearing God's voice with, with the same message about Jesus, with the same message about us. This morning I want to tell two stories. Two stories I believe have strong parallel. One is the gospel story, and one is the story that we're living out here together as Just North Church. And I also want you, invite you, to think about your own story. The gospel story is really like, like those difficult journeys we take in our lives. Not the vacations, not the sightseeing, not the things we plan for and hope for and save for, but those things that just happen. The things that, that when we begin, we feel like, oh no, I don't want that. Oh my God, I, I, I'm afraid of this. What? I don't understand. We don't, we don't choose these kinds of experiences. Instead, they choose us. Often they begin with something that's puzzling, confusing, daunting, disorienting, something that we, we can't understand, something that we don't trust. And so I wonder, I wonder, have some of those most transformative experiences in your life have they begun with something that you didn't understand or couldn't trust? In our gospel story this morning, Jesus chooses to go up to the mountaintop. And he takes with him three of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. You know, in retrospect, it should have been uh, Martha, Mary, and Miriam. But he takes Peter, James, and John. But why? Does he know what's going to be happening up there? Does he want them to see and hear so that later they can bear witness after he's crucified? I mean, Jesus is human. Does he have a human motive here? Does he want support? Does he avoid going alone? Why does he invite his close friends. Why does Jesus invite us up to the mountain? We don't really know because we're not really told. What happens at the mountaintop? What those, do those disciples experience? Well, they, they find themselves in the presence of God. A dazzling light, a bright cloud. They hear God's divine voice. They experience it for themselves. They receive it in their own ears, their eyes, their own bodies. They receive something that, quite frankly, we do not get to experience in our lives today. Or do we? Or do we? I mean, they are receiving proof of the presence of God, proof of the existence of God, proof of the vision of God, proof of the voice of God. They're experiencing proof of God. 
They're not being asked to have faith based on something they can't see or hear, like we are. They aren't being asked to follow Jesus without some kind of tangible guarantee, like sometimes I feel we are. They are receiving in their sight and their hearing They're allowed to see, to hear, to actually be in the presence of God. Think about that. Really see God. Really hear God speak. And what do they feel? They take in as much as they can and then it's too much and and they're blinded. And they're inspired. And they're overwhelmed. And they're frightened. Did they understand? Did they believe? Did they trust? Did they doubt? Did their common sense kick in and tell them to not believe what they were seeing and hearing? And choosing to be a community of faith. And choosing to gather each Sunday here, in this safe and sacred place, to choose to follow Jesus here, much like those friends of Jesus followed Him up on the mountain. We are here in our mountaintop experience. We are here seeking to embody the reality of God. We're looking. We're listening. We're doubting. We're believing. We're trusting as much as we can. We're seeking to embody the light to respond to God's voice. How are we doing? How are we doing with our mountaintop experience in this safe and sacred hour this morning? What are we doing? What are we seeing? What are we hearing? What are we believing? What are we doing? Here's the second story. When we chose as a community of faith to welcome Jose and Susanna and their children into our community, we sought to embody that mountaintop experience. That experience of welcome, of safety, of care, of support, of of healing, of love and affection for them. But ours, ours is a human story. Human story and, and less divine. Isn't it? Is it? We've discovered and then we've wrestled these past several months with real barriers to what we see, to what we hear, to what we experience, to what we believe, to what we trust. There is a culture barrier. Part of my personal learning curve has been the recognition that through real, difficult, confusing, up-close human experiences, 
that this barrier, this culture barrier, has been far more challenging than language. I mean, I haven't found it yet. I don't think there's an app for Google Culture Translate, is there? Anybody got it? I've not found it yet. They, you know, this, this couple, this couple that I call heroic, this couple that I call promising, this couple that I call faithful, this couple that I call vibrant and vital, this couple has experienced PTSD in a way that I don't understand. I can imagine, but I can't live it. I can't fully understand its implications. This young couple has confronted poverty in their lives that I also cannot live. I mean, I can hear about it, but in my comfortable middle-class lifestyle, I can't live it. They worry about it. They worry they may never see again. Their family. Their family that they have left back home in Honduras to make this long journey to this mountaintop, this place of safety. And one of the most important people in Jose's life, he told me, was his grandfather. His grandfather who died two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, and Jose did not have the opportunity to say goodbye. Their journey is filled with contradictions, constant change. Their journey is also burdened by what I call the cruelty, the the, the brokenness and now the corrupt immigration system of our administration. It angers me, it stuns me, it confuses me, it depletes me. But honestly, I don't feel that threat. My life is not at stake. Ask Jose, ask Susana, theirs is. You know, you know honestly, we might, we might visit the mountaintop. But Jesus reminds us, Jesus instructs us, Jesus tells us that we do not live on the mountaintop. And like those first disciples, Jose and Susanna have come back down. They've come back down, and, 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 and how do we accompany them on their journey? Down from the mountain, back into a life they can count on, back into a life that's filled with promise, back into a life that they're eager to make their own. What will that look like? How will they sustain that? How will they survive these days? How will we, how will we walk along beside them? I think most of the time, the first step is simply recognizing they want a companion, a companion in their journey, a companion who gets to know who they are by walking with them. I mean, how can you walk with somebody if you don't know them? Jose's and Susanna's story allows us to know them. When we hear their story, we will get to know them. 
Now, for many months, we were advised by their first attorney, don't tell their story. Don't share it. With our new attorney, we're advised we are free now to share it. So let me, let me share, if I may, Jose, just a few pieces of the story that I know as I seek to know them better, as I come to know them in their context, where they grew up, what, country, what their country is like, what it's like today. Did you ever wonder how children in Honduras are educated? I mean, here we've got public schools, we've got private options, we've got all, all, everything in the middle kind of thing. Honduras education is not free. There's no public schools like here in the United States. It costs money to go to a high school. It costs money to go to a high school, much like it costs money to go to college today. And Susanna's family did not have the resources to afford school. And so she left home and she lived alone in the city and she worked in the cafeteria to earn enough money and she supported herself and saved for school and it was not until she was 22 years old that she finally graduated, all on her own, all without help. I wonder how you, you would feel if you had to leave everything you've ever known, your family, your city, your country, your job, your culture, your language, everything that made up who you were and who you are. I wonder, would, would, would you stay away or, or would you try to go back? How many times would you go back or how many times would it take to be confronted with death before you decided to choose life and leave home without hope of ever returning. Jose and Susana and their children made that journey three times. And each time, the clear and personal threat of death drove them back north. And what if you were pregnant? What if you had to travel with a new baby? Another thing that inspires me about Jose and Susana's story is that they're really, they're both idealists. They're both idealists. They both wanted to make Honduras a more stable, a more safe, a more just country for themselves, for their family, for their neighbors, for their community, for the entire nation. I mean, they're young. They're young adults who believe that they can make a difference. And when they were young adults, they trusted Barack Obama. And they got trained to make a difference through our U.S. State Department back in 2015. They invested themselves. They invested their training. They invested their careers in making their land, making their home, making their people, making their life better. I mean, do we have any kids like that? Any kids in college? Any kids in their first jobs? Any kids near or far like that? Do we, or do we know any young adults who are like this? 
I mean, this young couple had to place their lives at risk over and over and over again. And why did they do that? To live out their beliefs. To live out their convictions. To live out their values. I have a son about Jose's age. It frightens me to even imagine my son Marty facing anything like that. So I hope that we can come together. It's people coming down from the mountaintop. I'm hoping that we can come together and join with others as a community of faith, as a community of justice seekers, as a community who is eager to support this couple and all that this young family represents for this generation and for the future. And so I invite you to join me for our celebration dinner on Saturday, March 7. We will hear Jose's story. We will hear Susanna's story in their own words. And trust me, it is a remarkable, inspiring human journey. And now they are free to tell it to us. To tell it to us. It's an opportunity to come together. It's an opportunity to play a part. We're going to be joined by two of our strongest communities of faith as partners with Temple Israel and First Unitarian Universalist Church. There's going to be a whole lot of good food. In fact, if you want to contribute food, we need a lot. Talk to either Kaylee Robertson or look for that email I sent yesterday with the Sign Up Genius link. And if you're a friend of the church or if you're even a visitor, please come. Please come. We will be welcomed to our meal by Cantor Batami Moses. Anybody heard Batami sing? Anybody heard the angels sing? All right. And, and we will open with uh, Jose and Susana's story in that short documentary produced by Professor of Cultural Anthropology, Dr. Sidney Silverstein. And she will be there as a translator to interpret questions we have for this young couple and to hear their story from themselves. It's a story that's rich. It's a story that's filled with dimension. It's a story that, that invites us to seek to know them and to knowing them, to support them, and in supporting them, to journey with them. We are a people who gather on Sunday in this mountaintop, this safe and sacred place, Listening for, looking for, responding to the presence, the promise, the power of God for our lives. But we don't get to live in the mountaintop. Sometimes we don't even get to visit that mountaintop and experience for ourselves proof positive of the real presence of God. But when we gather, and when we look to see, and when we listen to hear, we gather to tell our stories. The story of Jesus being transfigured. The story of Jose and Susanna and their journey to life and promise. And our own stories. Our own stories of journey of faith. 
We started the season with God speaking about God's beloved Jesus. We end the season with God's voice again saying, Jesus is my beloved. Listen, listen, and follow. And on Wednesday, we begin the season of Lent. I invite you, as we come down from this mountaintop, may we journey together with Jesus to Jerusalem, to the cross, and yes, in time, to the empty tomb. Thanks be to God. Amen.